0: Hello and thank you for listening to another Coleman Had A Dream podcast. Just wanted to point out a couple of things very quickly before you go ahead and listen. First of all, the manager's situation at Wrexham where Graham Barrow was left and Brian Hughes has come in hadn't happened by the time we recorded this. Equally, Newport hadn't beaten Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. I'd like to point out that I did get my pre-game prediction correct for that. But that is why neither of those two things are covered on the pod. In this episode we talk about the situation at Swansea. The transfers that a lot of the Welsh clubs have made. We talk about the Welsh Premier League. There's still a huge amount of stuff on here. Um, Those other things like the Newport Cup run and the manager situation at Wrexham will definitely be covered on our next pod. Um, But for now, thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of this. Hello and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I'm here as ever with Ruth. Good evening. Um, we are going to talk a lot about the Welsh clubs tonight from the Welsh clubs in the in the English League through to the Welsh Premier League. We're also going to do a bit of a feature on the different transfers uh, that have happened both for the clubs and for Welsh players. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about Wayne Hennessy, uh, Ryan Giggs and of course Hugh Jenkins uh, leaving Swansea City. Before we start on that. We just wanted to offer our deep condolences, really, to Emilio Salar and and uh, and the pilot David Ibbotson and his families. And I know they are definitely not going to be listening to this, but I think it's important that anyone who has some sort of voice in Welsh football says something because it's t- such a, a tragic incident, really.
1: Yeah, we're recording this just the day after. It seems like they found the airplane, um, and like you were saying yesterday, just hope that there is some closure yeah. for the for the families. Uh, and that's really all all they can gain out of this process. But hopefully yeah. there's some comfort in that for them.
0: I agree. And I and I think there's often so many bad stories going out about football and football clubs and everything else. And I like the way that football has come together and, and, and done so many great things, like raising the money for this private search for the plane, through to the way that the Arsenal fans uh, and latterly the Bournemouth fans and obviously the Cardiff fans themselves have... Um, kind of behaved and, and treated the whole situation with such sensitivity and i got to say like watching Neil Warnock come off the pitch on on the weekend after Cardiff had won like with the emotion in his face he looked like he was close to tears and you can really see the toll it's had on everyone inside the football club as, as well as that without out, outside it sorry
1: yeah it must be difficult for him to get past feeling a degree of responsibility for what's happened. Not that he should at all, yeah. but I can understand how that would be difficult for him to get yeah. past. Um, and also, he was, you know, he would got to know Salah in a way that yeah. the rest of the folks at Cardiff hadn't. And so, I think he's he's also conscious that he's kind of representing him to the the bigger community at yeah. Cardiff as well. And I think that's that's perhaps weighing on him too.
0: No, I agree, and I think. You could see a lot of uh, the people who were around the club on on the weekend with you know sad faces as you'd expect, and it was great to see the Cardiff fans singing his name over and over again. It's just an awful situation. Um, we wanted to we wanted to start with that. Uh, we will talk about talk about the football. Cardiff got a, a vital two nil win on the weekend against Bournemouth, a Bournemouth side who had just beaten Chelsea four um, nil. I know they were missing.
1: They're missing their man Big Dye <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, from I only saw the second half of the game, but from what I saw, Bournemouth didn't really offer much in anything they did offer, Cardiff dealt with pretty well um, goals at important times as well, like both you know early in in, in both halves um, so yeah, it was just just a vitally important win for Cardiff.
1: yeah, I think hopefully now that's a a little switch in their momentum that they can build on going forward.
0: Mean, so I mean, I think that, that I, you're absolutely right. And they're going to need that. I mean, their next five fixtures, they've got Southampton next, which is an absolute must win. After that, they've gone and got Watford, Everton, Wolves, who are 7th, 8th and ninth in the league, and then West Ham, who are 12th. Um, and it's not an easy run of games, that. No. Wolves have been performing well recently. I think they maybe they'll look at Watford and Everton, uh, and perhaps West Ham is something they might get something from. But, I mean... Certainly, a tricky run of games. That
1: yeah, they could swing either way, though, couldn't they? In terms of the way exactly. the other teams have been performing and Cardiff have been performing, um, but just I think strangely, I think the fact that they've been able to focus on have, have needed to focus what's ha- on what's happening on the pitch because you don't want to be thinking about the bigger picture stuff. Yeah, may have hopefully perhaps helped them. You know synthesize down the priorities a little bit perhaps absolutely
0: um but yeah vital win great performance bobby reed looked good um i think his dynamic movement was was a big part of their victory as was umanias as well i thought he he looked um you know hard working and his movement certainly stretched bournemouth a lot so it was uh, a very very good performance and they needed it especially um with the results around them in the last few weeks obviously talking from a personal perspective Newcastle beat Man City which was a result that no one expected but Fulham have also won a game since then um, after being 2-0 down against Brighton Burnley got a point and it could have been all three at Old Trafford so it is starting to look like silly season with the results and you know they needed that three points that's moved them to 22 points two points from safety against Burnley so
1: yeah, I mean, Vital. this time last week, it looked like there was a little bit of a gap, a of a gap starting yeah. between the bottom three and the rest. They? And they've closed that. Yeah. Um, I think that's what they've just got to keep working on. It's just keep trying to keep pace keep with touch. things and um, and then see from there.
0: No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, to move on from Cardiff and look at Swansea. Um, Swansea lost 2-0 on the weekend quite a disappointing result after an equally disappointing result the week before that um, midweek I think it was sorry against Birmingham um, where they drew 3-3 but Birmingham were down to 10 men it was uh, just a lot of disappointment I think is the is the word to use around Swansea at the minute yeah
1: I th- I, I suspect what happened on Saturday is reflective of what was happening on Thursday really isn't it in Absolutely. terms of just how unsettled things yeah. were there and are there for that matter Um I mean, we'll come. We'll come back to the yeah, the Hugh maybe. Jenkins situation, but it does not seem unreasonable that their minds were not fully on yeah. the task on Saturday, and and certainly I imagine Potter thought he was going out with Team A and found himself with about Team F yeah. in terms of who he, who he was playing. And it could have st- been
0: very different from yeah, that again. Exactly. It?
1: Who you know who who he was actually playing by the weekend. So. Um, I do, I think, I think the, the result is indicative of just how unsettled they must yeah, be.
0: I agree. And the situation, is kind of a bizarre one still because looking at where they are in the league, they're 13th but with 41 points, whereas Bristol City, who they lost to on the weekend, six points ahead of them with 47 points are in the playoffs. So bizarrely, even though they keep dropping points after points after points and selling players and everything else, they're really not out of it at all. And you have to think, that if they are going to get to the playoffs, which I find I do, you know, as we said a couple of weeks ago, I do think still think that's unlikely. Their next five games, they've got Millwall, Leeds, which will be tough because they're second, I think. Then Brentford, Sheffield Wednesday, and Bolton. Every single one of those four teams, obviously other than Leeds, all of the other four are below them in the league.
1: Yeah, they'll want to look to pick up some points from those and push forward, won't they? But I just. <laughs> I would just wonder whether Potter's kind of switching his rationale a little bit and working on some consolidating rather than necessarily pushing forward yeah. for the playoffs, unfortunately.
0: No, I agree. I mean, it's, you'd think they're safe. They're 11 points away from relegation, so maybe he's just going to kind of lay some foundations, like you say, for next year even, or I don't, maybe he might not want to be there next year. I mean, Christ, he keeps getting the rug pulled from underneath him. You wouldn't blame if he, at the end of it, said, you know what, you've lied to me which they probably have I'm I'm Romeo Dunn thanks I'm off
1: yeah you, so, you couldn't blame him Definitely, no, absolutely
0: yeah. not um, we're going to come back to Swansea and their transfers and, and the Hugh Jenkins situation in a bit more detail afterwards but for now we'll move on to Newport who are frustrating me enormously I mean a very very disappointed 3-0 loss on the weekend I mean it seems kind of futile to keep saying the same they may have their eye on the FA Cup situation, which is probably part of it, but I still think they've got to be a bit better than that, really, because they are drifting down the league, but as in a similar sort of thing to Swansea, they are relatively in touch. They are now 10 points off the playoffs now, but in their next five games, they have to play MK Dons, who are 6th home and away. Um, So you'd think again, if anything is going to happen for them it's going to have to happen now
1: yeah i agree i, I agree with you in terms i think their their eyes are on the replay but but you want the momentum from good performances in the league to take you into the fa cup games Absolutely. and vice versa i mean i think the pity is that the level of play they've been able to show in the cup games obviously is so very inconsistent in the in the league games yeah. and that must be incredibly frustrating for oh, yeah. for flint uh, watching what 's going on on you know these sort of fairly random dates where they yeah. where they look like world beaters and then and then the the normality of what 's happening week in week out yeah uh, I think in the end it's you know it's it's probably going to be another scenario where the the cup run is is worth it economically absolutely um, but perhaps not worth it from what it means for the league position no
0: I mean it's a difficult balance I mean I mean we're looking at the table there but equally they're only eight points off the relegation zone so I mean if you're looking at they could put a little something together to get into the playoffs you know if it keeps drifting the other way then they could really be in trouble um, and again you know they're mixed bag of games they've got Mansfield who are the top of the table next then they've got MK Dons who are sixth Swindon who are 13th Notts County or bottom and then back to MK Dons again who are sixth so you know, they really do have to start pulling their finger out. Really, um, this is being recorded on the Monday night, and the the game against Middlesbrough would be happening tomorrow. So probably today, when people are p- p- people are listening to this, um, how do you think they are going to get on against Middlesbrough at home?
1: I'm a bit worried, actually. Oh, really? cause, yeah, because I think, ironically, I think the draw kind of it gives you something to lose. You know, when you when you see the carrot yeah, that's I ahead, I think it changes the dynamic because it, there's something more than that just that game now. And I think the strength of the performance against Leicester and, and how they did um, up at Middlesbrough was reflective of the sort of the gung-ho, just keep going, it doesn't matter, we'll just keep pressing kind of mentality. Yeah. And sometimes I think when you've got You can see the shining lights in front of you. You can lose sight of the moment. Um, So actually, I'm not sure that the draw has done them a favour in that sense. I think it might take their eye off what actually needs to happen tomorrow.
0: Bizarrely, I think the draw might have helped them. Mm -hmm. Only because, looking at Middlesbrough, they're fifth in the league. They're only three points away from dropping out of the playoffs. Equally, they're, I think, five points away from... Being in the automatics, you'd think looking at it logically, they could probably do without another game against a Man City City who are probably going to beat them. The financial rewards are okay, you know, they'll be, they'll benefit from that, but not in the same way Newport would. I don't think the finances are, are that much of a bother for them. Will they want to have a game against Man City at home? Like, of course they will, but in terms of what their priority is, I can see them not being that arsed about this game against Newport because they're probably going to get knocked out against Man City in the next game. And, you know, their league position is much more, you know, perilous relatively and and much more important to them. I think Pulis is, I mean, his, you know, his mandate has got to be to try and get them up. And if he doesn't do that, he might be out of a job. So you wonder whether you think I could could really do without all this. So I think it kind of goes the other way a little bit, having the draw in their favour. But who knows? With Newport, (laughs) who knows? Um, They... uh, they did. They did at least play on the weekend, mm-hmm. which is a step up from Wrexham. Yep. Who got their game c- cancelled due to the bad weather against Boreham Wood? I think it was. Um. Again, we keep saying these things. They really need to kind of pull a few results together. But. They really do. They really to. do. <laughs> yes. And I think again, I you know we always try and find <laughs> these little glimmers, but their next uh, four games, they have got. Dagenham and Redbridge, who are 13th. and waterlooville who are 18th. Chesterfield, who are bottom. Admittedly, in all that, they have got Gateshead, who are 7th. And they're five points clear of Gateshead. And they are four points clear of dropping out of the playoffs altogether. Sorry, no, that's a lie. They're in the last playoff position. Yeah, four points away. Um, But above them, it's still, despite the fact they cannot win a bloody game, apart from last time out, they're still only four points off the top of the league. And I say that because their fifth game in this little run... Is against Leyton Orient. Yeah,
1: I mean the the irony is like nobody seems to want to win that no, league. No they're asked. all just tripping over their own feet, aren't they? All the top five or six performers. Yeah. Um, you ju- it just needs one of them to go on a bit of a run and they'll pull away.
0: Yeah. Um, but no one sees. But no one's no it.
1: one seems to like be putting their foot down on that. So it it I mean, Wrexham are in. I mean, that obviously they're not in as good a position as as Orient, but there's. It's it's so marginal. Um, I just have this horrible feeling it's eventually going to come down to a point or yeah. goal difference or something. It's just you know that nagging fear
0: I have. I mean, it is so tight. I mean, there's ten points split in eighth and the top of the league, which is really nothing. You know, in that in that division, anyone is capable of winning three games in a row and losing three games in a row, and all of a sudden you're kind of toppling away. But I don't know. It's um, it's very, very tough. And I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm the same as you. I've got the same nagging feeling. I'm really worried. Um, but, you know, if everyone around them keeps buggering things up, then.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what you've got to hope is that everybody just keeps tripping up. Yeah. And it comes down to the last three or four games. And hopefully. And you just the get across you know, the line. Yeah, basically.
0: I mean, at the minute, you are looking really at automatics as, you know, probably being unlikely and entering the old. Lottery of the yeah. playoffs, but and
1: that's a horrible lottery yeah. as well, isn't
0: it? Um, so who knows really what's what's going to come of that? Yep. equally and un- gloriously unpredictable. I'm doing quite well with my links tonight, <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> uh, gloriously unpredictable is the Welsh Premier League. Right. Um, there were a, there was one postponed game on the weekend, but there was a change at the top of the league as Barry Town lost to Carnarvon Town, um, and Connors Key beat Newtown two one. So they now go top of the league. TNS was the game that got cancelled, got right. postponed, sorry. Um, and they were going to play balla. It's so tight at the top of that division. It is insane.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's literally, they're just playing leapfrog at the minute, aren't they? Between no the, Those top three in particular, they're just playing leapfrog.
0: We were talking then about no one wants to win the, the National League, the in. I'm not <laughs> sure anyone wants to win this. <laughs> um, it's bizarre. Um, one thing I did see, I don't know if you've seen this, that Leon Britton is out for because he's broke his foot I yeah. saw the challenge not long before we started recording right. it was an awful tackle yes. the guy who's fouled him has had a massive tantrum at the referee it was shocking Lletli sorry drew 0-0 and they are in a fairly perilous position as Leon Britton is now out for a solid amount of time I think five weeks I think they said I don't know I just saw him
1: tweeting the pictures of his foot and I had a lot of sympathy having been there you know exactly Ruth is, f- is fond of <laughs> foot injuries,
0: for those of you who don't know. Um, that sounded weird. It did. Um, <laughs> She's broken her foot recently, was what I was getting at. Um, they are also kind of in dire need of Brits because they are currently six points away from safety in the Welsh Premier League, six points away from uh, Kevin Druids, who were the team that they drew 0-0 with on the weekend. So that could have been a massive, massive right. win for them. Um, and a point is probably neither use nor ornament to be honest so a big loss for them and a shame for Brits as well after getting back into football
1: yeah yeah.
0: Um, you have some information for us on uh, Merthyr and Colwyn Bay
1: yeah well I keep kicking you because you talk about the teams in the English League like there was only four of them we actually <laughs> have six teams playing in the English League so I thought Sorry, I'd everyone. dip into what's been happening with those two clubs because you don't ma- mention them very often Um, Merthyr are having the better season of the two. They're seventh currently about, I think it's three points off the playoff. They, um, they were another game that was, um, uh, canceled at the weekend, postponed at the weekend. Um, but they're, you know, chugging away and I imagine hoping for a playoff place.
0: How are they in the playoffs?
1: They're in a, just outside the playoff place uh, by three points at the minute. I think, I think they're one position off if I remember rightly. Colwyn Bay are having a rather more mediocre season. They're 10th place and they're, they're literally like the average of, <laughs> of average, everything yeah. that's happening in that league. At the minute, they've won 10, lost 10. They've um, scored. Let me check here. They've scored 43 and let in 42. So that like, they, like They're just like <laughs> mirror images, <laughs> um, offense and defense. Um, I mean, they lost at the weekend, for example. So they're having a bit of a mixed yeah. bag in uh, in their league. Uh, so we'll see we'll see how they go.
0: It's interesting to look at the Merthyr situation, given how dire the problems were, you know, fairly recently yeah. about a year, well eighteen months yeah. or so ago yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for them to be in contention for the playoffs is it's a great achievement. So well done to them. For
1: yeah, that. and I think to it's interesting to see how those those two have kept with their. Um, you know, decision to remain in the in the English league, yeah. and I think sometimes we forget the just the the consequences, just the logistical consequences yeah. for them of of playing like that. And I, uh, I think there's uh, their fan base and and everything that goes into su- you know supporting the team when you've got yeah. those extra distances is you know that's oh, something to consider as well. Yeah.
0: Um, to move on a little bit uh, and just talk about some transfer dealings. It's obviously been a very mixed window, depending on uh, on your perspective on things, for just a, an unbelievable variety of reasons. Obviously, it's difficult to talk about Cardiff transfer dealings given given the situation. But equally, looking forward, you have to be pragmatic, I guess is the word, and and, and try and find a way to move forward with the situation. Um, apart from Salah, um, who will obviously, you know go in everyone's memory for a long, long time. Um, they signed Leonardo uh, Bakuna from Reading and Omar Nias. I think Nias is a good signing for them, but I can imagine everyone being wildly underwhelmed with Bakuna coming in.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got to wonder what he can offer yeah. as a step up, particularly considering how Reading have been doing this season. Yeah, they're very far down in the um, division, aren't they? But Nias, I think, hopefully is a is a, a good addition. I agree. Um We'll see how the loan goes. See if anything comes of that longer yeah. longer term. Uh, but I think they were left. Um, obviously, they kind of put their eggs in a basket. Yeah, and uh, and circumstances are they're going to have to like just manage. Yeah, yeah.
0: How did you feel about the uh, the Premier League not offering them or not agreeing to give them a one week extension? Did they ask? Apparently, yeah.
1: I can understand f- from the Premiership's point of view that it's a difficult precedent. I think if the Premier League had put it out to other clubs, I can understand another club saying, well, we've not had those circumstances, but we've had circumstances yeah. beyond our control. Um, equally, I'm sure most clubs would not have objected to the situation. I agree. Uh, I think perhaps if it had been something that was in the works before the deadline day, but they, you know, they just couldn't get all their ducks in a row. Yeah. I, I think I'd, I'm, I'd be quite disappointed if the if the Premier League hadn't helped facilitate that. Um, if it was just, you know, an extra week for to to like look around i can yeah. understand that's a slightly different precedent
0: i agree i think i think that's why they didn't do it is because it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a it's a precedent to set and and to be cynical it wouldn't surprise me if you know you could see other teams further down the line taking advantage of that in in some way shape or form um equally again from a pragmatic perspective i'm not sure how many people would have done business with cardiff purely because in the transfer window if you let someone go you've still got time to get someone else back in whereas in this instance you're just letting people go and if it's someone that a team are willing to let go or happily will let go then they're probably not going to be the highest of quality anyway so you're really going to get much value for the week i mean i know that's a a cynical way again of looking at it, i suppose but i think that's the reality of the situation i, th- I think it's a shame and i do think you know when the Premier League want to do something that help themselves out, everyone's happy to chip in, you know, a quarter of a million for Richard Scudamore to get a farewell bonus, but, you know, there's, you know, a lack of heart shown in this perspective. That's that's what I think. I I can understand why they've done it, but I do think it's a shame, and even if it was just a a gesture, really, and it didn't really make much difference, I still think, you know, showing that sympathy would have been important, but what do I know?
1: Yeah, I think... I don't think uh, that's necessarily very high on, on their list of, yeah, of
0: attributes. Very true, very true. Um, so all in all, it's a bit of a disappointing window for Cardiff in, in every way, really, I would, I would say. I think Nias is, a, is definitely a good signing for them. They've, they got rid of uh, a couple of players uh, on a collection of loans and everything else. The one I did mention in our little list here was Nathaniel Klein because obviously he ended up going to Bournemouth and then gloriously played Bobby Reid on side for, <laughs> for the goal on the weekend, which I did think was quite nice. You do think uh, you'd have to think that Cardiff kind of have been kind of left a bit high and dry there in, in a couple of you know very contrasting ways which is a big big shame for them I think.
1: Yeah, I think that there are actually some questions about the mechanisms of loans. I feel that you know you understandably <coughs> excuse me a team will will commit to a player going out for half a season, but then when that player then goes to competition for the second half of the season. yeah. I mean, you, is it any different than the sale? I don't know. But it, it just feels a little bit different yeah. somehow.
0: Um, yeah, so kind of a, a disappointing window, all in all, uh, for Cardiff for obviously a variety of reasons. I think my perspective still hasn't changed. I think they'll probably still go down, unfortunately. Sorry, Cardiff fans. Um, I'll move on to, to Newport, just because I feel like they've had a bit more... Uh, luck relatively speaking in the transfer window um, obviously Semenyo has, has left them that he's yeah. gone back to Bristol City which is a shame but other than that they've actually got some good players in Harry McCurdy from Aston Villa AD Aziz from Cambridge who they bought Regan Poole has come back on loan from Man United Vashon Nerfville has come in from West Ham as well so you know a good mix of players mm-hmm. there um, of strikers midfielders and Poole can play kind of at the back or in midfield Um you know, on the on the face of it it looks like some good business done by there.
1: Yeah, I think Paul in particular looked very at home, yeah. didn't he? He looked like happy to be well, playing regularly I'm sure, yeah. but he's he's clearly very comfortable in that environment. So he was integrated very quickly and I think is gonna make a difference very quickly yeah, there. I hope so, I hope
0: so. Um and you like like we say, they, that's gonna need to have an impact on their season, isn't it? Um how much of an impact they will have I don't know but I I think there's a few people there Aziz especially kind of you know as a centre forward needs to get off get up and running nice and quick and get himself a goal and really get himself in the action and see if they can propel themselves forward and make the most of this cup run and and really get themselves up the league a little bit as well
1: I mean that's one advantage of the the cup games is that you're going to you've got plenty of games coming you can get people integrated quite quickly I
0: agree Um, Wrexham I don't really know what to make of their transfer window, really, because yes, they've got some players in. I just, I don't, I just feel kind of worried, at just about the whole situation, and the the big one for me is uh, is Jason Oswell, because I read somewhere that his goals to game ratio before moving to to Wrexham. Yeah, it really wasn't happening. very good no
1: I mean if you're going after a striker you've found quite an out of form one exactly. unfortunately I mean presumably it's on a basis that you feel you can perhaps utilise him a bit differently or there's something about your style of play that will suit him better or you know but it feels like a bit of a fingers crossed one just doesn't it just a hope for the best yeah. isn't
0: it I mean he's it's a bizarre one really because when he played for Newtown in the in the Premier League whilst well, Premier League sorry he scored a goal pretty much every other game and for Stockport County a couple of years ago, uh, he had done pretty well as well. 25 and 40 games, which is not bad. But then for the half of the season he was at Morecambe, he's made 17 appearances and scored once. I mean, it's not instilling confidence, I would say. But um, you've just got to hope, really, that they get the goals from somewhere. I know they got their goal and their win from, from Luke Young scoring a goal um, last week. So... You know, hopefully everyone can just kind of chip in and get some bit of momentum going for them. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean the irony is they don't actually need to score much more than no. they've been scoring, do yeah. they? They just need to, they just need to find a few goals. Yeah. Um. So perhaps that's the well, obviously that's the aim in terms of scrabbling together a few a few more and hold and hold tight at the back.
0: Yeah. The other ones are as interesting, just purely from where they came from. Uh, was Keon Kennedy and Brad Walker both came from Shrewsbury? Yeah. Uh, which I thought was a touch on the interesting side. I'm not I, like I don't know whether that may even have been part of, I don't know, some sort of deal involving. Uh, How Ricketts. interesting!
1: I hadn't thought of it like that. I just I just thought of it maybe as a a connection. Also, I think for players in that position, if you can move where you don't physically have to move house, it's yeah you can see the attri- you know yeah. that's obviously clearly just easier all round. Perhaps they were more willing to move than some of the other people they yeah. approached
0: interesting, just as a mention of Shrewsbury uh, Ricketts has not done well, Uh, he's won one of his his last ten games uh, in the league and I saw on Twitter on the weekend some Wrexham fans gleefully retweeting some Shrewsbury fans saying that he's shit to all intents and purposes Um, I do think he's been left in a bit of a tricky spot in that the the team aren't performing well which is why he's come in and he's not going to necessarily turn around miracles but uh, they have now slipped into the relegation zone and it's not looking good for Sam. Well, that's
1: exactly what we were discussing at the time, wasn't it? You're going into a club that is dipping. That's why they're looking for a new manager. You've got to go in with your eyes open. Um, and it's not that I want it to be difficult for him. That's not what I'm looking for. But equally, if he didn't go in with a realism of that, then that is on him at that point. That is that very naive,
0: yeah. 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 Um, I have intentionally left Swansea to last because I fear this is may- where we may end up having the biggest discussion. Um, it is a bizarre, bizarre situation, just in almost every aspect, because they let go five players. Admittedly, two of them are kind of bit-part players in Aaron Lewis and Botti Biabi. But to let Carroll, Montero and Boney go with no one coming in to replace them
1: yeah and be trying to get rid of fur and James yeah. at the same Daniel James at the same time I mean that list could have been even longer yeah. probably should have been even yeah. longer if the eyes had been dotted and T's crossed yeah exactly um, it's, it's just t- a
0: scandalous situation it's, isn't
1: it? sc- it's scary as hell that when you look at it
0: no I, I, I totally agree I mean I think I can understand to an extent Montero going because he wasn't playing that often and from what I understand he's you know, ca- can be a difficult customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I uh, relatively understand getting rid of Boney because he wasn't playing that much. Apparently he was on 100 grand a week, which I didn't realise. Yeah,
1: I think of any of them, he was, th- he was the one to to leverage out just because of yeah. the wages bill, yeah.
0: But you'd like to have thought, just if nothing else, on loan they would have got a few people in just to cover, cover their backs a little bit. Because if you look at it, they look very, very thin on the ground now. And I mean, I know they didn't exactly look plush in terms of numbers earlier, but now they really are thin on the ground, and I feel Tom Carroll is a loss for them, I know he's, you know, he's not been playing every week, but I think he offers them a kind of um, the ability to kind of keep the ball moving in midfield, and can be a, a very talented player on his day when he wants to be, so I felt like, I do feel like he was a bit of a loss, really
1: Yeah, I think the difficulty is that they've like you say, they've looked thin since the summer and now you've parred that back even further. A, you know, an odd injury or two, and you are going to be in a real mess oh, yeah, based really on are. this. Um, but I, I think it's the bigger picture. I think it's what it says to the youth players. I think it's what it says to the next player that you want to go and purchase, that this is not a club that's investing. This is not yeah. a club that's developing. This is not a club that's moving forward. Now, you weigh that against how well the academy is actually doing, you, you weigh that against Potter and, and his, his obvious talents, but if you were a player in this, this coming summer window that was approached by Swansea, you'd take a long, hard look at it you before really you'd go anywhere near them.
0: You'd need a lot of convincing. You
1: would, you? because you just don't know who, it's a revolving dawn, you don't know who's being pushed out next. I
0: agree, I think that's the, the thing that struck me most, was the uncertainty of it all from a player's perspective. Because if you look at the situation with Dan James, they look they were trying trying to get rid of him basically to get a few quid um, and if from what I understand, Dan James kind of didn't really want to go, had his head turned and then was just like, right, okay, this looks like it's happening. He was at Leeds having his medical done, and you know whilst I'm sure the the fans will be relieved in the short term that you know hugh jenkins didn't sign on the dotted line and they kind of mess leeds around a bit i mean it's just a shoddy way to go about doing your business really you know to, to mess people about like that you know i think it's all stemmed from leeds wanted to pay a, an initial an initial, initial loan fee and th- i'm not even drinking <laughs> I have an initial loan fee and then pay the rest of the money toward the end of the year Swansea said no to that so they offered to pay a loan fee and half of the transfer fee up front then and then the rest based on promotion and everything else if Leeds get there which apparently Swansea are, uh, uh, I'm told uh, uh, agreed to and from that they've been in this farcical situation where the player's gone up for a medical they wouldn't even answer the phone Hugh Jenkins and uh, I mean, not necessarily Hugh Jenkins but um, you know the, p- the people who they were waiting for to, to sign the contract and press go on the whole thing and they just didn't answer the phone for four hours I mean it's like the way you treat your ex-girlfriend when you're 13, do you know what I mean? It's weird, really. I've never done that, just just to be clear. Um, but it's just a bizarre situation, and uh, I just think it's it's very, very sad. And the mention of Hugh Jenkins there brings us brings us on to him nicely.
1: Yeah, I think, obviously, you've got to look at his tenure at Swansea, the, the big picture, and clearly he was incredibly instrumental in the... In their resurrection, and I, I don't think that should be lost in more recent events. But equally, we've reached a point where something needs something needs to change. Yeah. My my concern is obviously his actions over the last, let's say, eighteen months in the transfer market will reflect the instructions he's getting from his bosses, um, and ironically i 'm now concerned about what is is there any kind of buffer is there any kind of swansea voice that's going to be talking to the American yeah. owners about what 's actually realistic and reasonable and appropriate yeah. and, and relevant um, and not just seeing it in monetary yeah. terms uh, so I think what they do next is absolutely crucial because if if there's if there isn't a a role there that is contextualizing things for the American owners, then it's it, it you can only see the situation getting worse, not better.
0: No, I totally agree, and I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like you say, it's a, I mean, it's a shambolic situation in its current sense. I mean, looking at the the bigger picture, and I know I'm not a Swansea fan, so I'm you know I'm kind of looking at it from the outside. It's. It has been a hell of a journey that he has taken Swansea on and I know it's easy to look at the last few years and and kind of focus on that a little bit but he has got that club from the bottom of the football league almost going out of business and everything else to a new stadium and, and, and the League Cup and, and Premier League football and European football so I don't think any of that should be forgotten however his decisions in the last few years have kind of been bizarre and part of it is kind of trying to push on that little bit in the premier league and that's very very difficult to do and made a couple of bad managerial appointments and and it started to unravel from that and once that i think once you hit that slippery slope it's very very difficult to kind of stop the slide however since then i think if he showered himself in glory in the first instance he's done the opposite now as much as anything because think when the American owners came in he's he's seen the opportunity to make himself a very rich man which you know is fair enough he's got he's entitled to do that he's kind of chased the pound signs sold the club and unfortunately seems to have kind of sold his soul a little bit with it and also the soul of Swansea City football club to an extent um, reading his statement I feel like he's intimating that he was forced out to an, to an extent because he couldn't kind of push his will onto the, onto the owners and onto the club but I mean you'd like to have thought before he sold he would have known what he was getting into and, and, uh, and the, what these people wanted to do with the club um, so you know I think he knew what he was getting into which makes it kind of more difficult really but um, for him to say I can sit back no longer and hide behind my position and stay true to myself and my beliefs um, it's that was quite a poignant sentence like his beliefs like you know what what is that i thought and i don't know you
1: you feel like he left that a while ago
0: yeah yeah that ship has sailed i think yeah um
1: you don't you don't go into into a relationship with american sports owners naively yeah that it's a franchise system over here it's a money-making endeavor People are not owners... Well, very few, in fairness, are owners for the love of the sport. Yeah. It's a business model, first yeah. and foremost. Um, and it's, a lot of teams are successful that way, don't get me wrong. But you can't uh, join forces with, with those sorts of buyers naively. You've got to know what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah, you've got to have your eyes wide open. So I mean. either Swansea went in without doing due diligence or they did due diligence and overlooked some concerns and either way you're going to pay for that
0: I agree I mean for me I say this as you know as a Newcastle fan it looks to me a similar sort of situation where the people who've come in are in it for their own financial gains as you've you've mentioned Um, but which I don't have a problem with, you know. If you're going to spend the money, you're, you're entitled to kind of make money from it. That's what you're there for. But it definitely shouldn't be at the expense of the club and its soul and everything that kind of goes with it. And my advice to Swansea fans is like to be active and be vocal and don't let this fester. Because I absolutely promise you, when shit started to go wrong with Newcastle United, I bet you there are thousands and thousands of thousands of people who are sat here like me right now thinking, I wish I'd done more at the time. I wish we'd started this process early because the longer and longer you let these people get their feet under the table and the longer and longer they're allowed to do damage to your football club. It is very, very hard to undo that. And like Mike Ashley is at the point with Newcastle. The thing with Mike Ashley is, is that he has undone so many good things that the the football club has done in the community. And, and even if he leaves, I honestly think it will take fans and whoever owns the club next years and years and years to get back to where they want the club to be. And I read a staggering thing about Glasgow Rangers that in every £10 of merchandising he was selling, Mike Ashley was selling when he was there at the club at the time, uh, Glasgow Rangers, the football club itself, of every £10, were getting four pence. That's how bad that man is, And I don't want to turn this into a Mike Ashley thing, but my point is is that you and I, as the average person on the street, don't know what damage these people are doing to the football club. If they, the stuff they're doing is the stuff they're willing to admit to about messing people around with Dan James and selling all these players and all this other stuff, if that's what they're happy for you to see, imagine what they're not doing. And I know I'm ranting here, but... My advice to Swansea fans would be to get out and be proactive and do something because the, soo- the, 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 the sooner this starts unraveling, for me, it's a very, very difficult and long, long way back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I've got nothing to add to that particularly because you're, you're living that with with your team and you can you've, you know you've been experiencing it for years now. But there's there's just got to be a, a a mechanism somewhere. For a protection of what's actually happening on the field, I totally agree. Whether it's financially, whether it's ethically, um, but there, there just needs to be some uh, some protection, really, for what for what a football club yeah, is. I agree. And, and I d- like, how
0: did these people pass the fit and proper test? You know, what have you got to do to pass that? You know, just show you've got money? Why is it always about just money? Like, there should be some something similar to how they do in Germany, in my opinion, where the fans own 51%, the fifty-nine percent, the 51% rule, sorry. That needs to come in, for me, especially lower down the leagues, um, where f- clubs and fans, you know, are likely, uh, can be exploited. And I, it, obviously it happens further up the leagues, like Newcastle are a, a case in point, and many, many clubs. I mean, look at Blackpool. You know they have slipped away from the kind of public consciousness for a bit. They were selling out. They had loads of people going there. They have like four thousand people turn up to watch them play. Now they've absolutely plummeted. They're in League One. Um, the owner just doesn't care. They've protested. They've done everything. He's trying to sell the ground underneath them. Like, and I'm not suggesting that it could go that far down the line with Swansea, but it could. You don't know what people are capable of when, it's, especially when they're trying to chase money. And I feel like the time fraction for Swansea fans in my opinion I'm not telling anyone what to do I respect your opinion if you want to go and watch your football club every week and I would never suggest not to do that but the biggest way to impact these people is to hit them in the pocket and by not going and not having a beer at the ground and not um, you know buying Swansea merchandise and stuff that's the stuff that makes them kind of sit up and take notice in my opinion. That's why nothing has changed at Newcastle and I really would advise Swans fans to kind of go out and be proactive um, against the owners and you know those owners need to come forward and say something very very soon about what they have planned for the club and they need to set up like a you know, a liaison with a, with a fans group um, they need to do a hell of a lot and they need to do it now because I think you know as I say, said it a couple of times, you hit that slippery slope, it's a long long way back from that. Um, I found, just to finish on this, the um, the club statement uh, very interesting. Because it says here, however, it's reached a stage where the way Swansea City has been run on a day-to-day basis has to change. There can be no disguise in the fact recruitment has been extremely disappointing. It has left the club in a weakened position where strong action had to be taken to rectify the situation. Well, I mean... Are you taking the piss or what? Jesus, I, you know, I, I'm sure he needs, to, you know, he definitely does need to take a portion of the blame. But there's no disguising the fact recruitment has been extremely disappointing and has left the club in a weakened position where action had to be taken to rectify the situation. i tell you what the action is don't sell all your players. Get people in. If you're that bothered, if you think it's that shoddy, what, it's just his fault. No, is. his bosses can't overrule him on that. Do me a favour. But
1: what recruitment has there been? Well, exactly. <laughs> they've just
0: been, you know, mass selling people. And I see, what, I get what they're saying. They, they've brought people in on, you know, a bit of a gambles, you know, like Boney coming back on on big, big wages. I get what they're saying. But equally, you know, what is the action that needs to be taken now? Selling everyone. It's just nonsense. And it just reeks to me of a situation where, they're, where the club are a little bit panicked and trying to kind of save their asses a little bit and save face. I don't know. I know I appreciate I'm ranting now but I I, I just think it's disgraceful. No, but that
1: reads like Jenkins is responsible yeah. for the
0: finances. He's n- no. he's
1: not. He was he was a, a a puppet isn't the right word, but he was a conduit for the yeah. for what was happening financially. So if you feel that the money is not going in the direction... You, as an owner, if you feel the money is not going in the direction you want, you should have addressed it by now. Yeah. But to claim that what has been spent has been spent in a profligate way is ridiculous yeah. because what has been spent? Yeah.
0: I agree. And it's, I don't know, it's a bizarre It's a bizarre statement, I thought. Just that sentence in particular. Um, I really, really hope Swansea can, you know, sort, sort the situation out for themselves and can get back to a situation where they are achieving you know better things because if they're not careful if potter goes a few of their younger player goes players go sorry you know i I know how this ends ask Sunderland fans how it ends except you don't get the documentary for everyone to laugh at you at at the end you know um it's it's a sad sad situation i hope i really do hope that um there's a resolution to this in a positive way because the person they get in needs to be a football person who needs to be someone from Swansea who knows and recognises the situation and, and how to have a solid plan on how to move forward and that fan needs to be, uh, plan needs to be expressed to the fans so they know what is going on because at the minute the, them not saying anything is I don't know, like I say it just creates more and more unease and more questions and then you're left with people like Mac Ashley sucking the blood out of everything And and who says that can't be them next so yeah I think it's Time for action, if you ask me. Sorry, Ruth's laughing at me now. <laughs> I'm pissed off. <laughs> to move on before uh, I go into full rant mode, we also wanted to mention, going back to transfers briefly, uh, we also wanted to mention some of the Welsh players who have got moves elsewhere during the window. Um, there's there's two standouts for me, uh, which is Chris Be- Meppham going to Bournemouth for a, for a Solid chunk of money from what from what I read as well, and of course, Rabi Matondo going to Schalke from Man City. Two really really exciting moves, really.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a sign of the times that we've got young players making those sorts of moves. I yeah, mean, absolutely. the the whole progression is is great to see. Uh, I found it interesting that Man City, although they've they've sold him to Schalke, they've they've kept uh, you know we have first refusal okay, in, in the it. in the clause, which I thought was an interesting way to yeah. to manage it. Um, hopefully that that will be as uh, as um, as good a move for him as we're seeing for some of the young English players yeah. that are moving as well. Um, I was intrigued by this the Vokes move. It's it's a weird one.
0: It if horrible. it gets
1: if it gets him a bit more regular p- play, I'm o- I'm okay with it. But it just seems a very str- from Burnley's position, it seems a very strange no, decision. I, I totally agree. makes more sense from Stokes to my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Stoke played a blinder there in a way. The thing I think is bizarre is I know he wasn't playing a huge amount in the Premier League uh, at the minute. He was still getting some decent game time. He was still, I think has been their combined top's goal scorer for like five years or something. So he was having a positive impact for them. Um, but, you know, for Stoke, from Stoke's perspective, you know, the Welsh are taking over with Ashley Williams and uh, they've got um, Joe Allen, obviously, and now Big Sam. It's, uh, and obviously a Welsh manager as well. They're taking over. So a great move for them. The one thing I will say was, I don't know if you saw this on the weekend, they got a penalty Vokes took it. He has scored nine of his nine previous penalties before, missed this one. And the statistic which blew my mind is at Stoke of their last twelve penalties. Mm-hmm. How many do you think they've scored?
1: Six.
0: Zero. No. Unbelievable statistics. <laughs> Unbelievable statistic. I reckon I'm taking that next one. <laughs> Um, no wonder they saw the <laughs> you Peter need to crouch. send the goalkeeper up yeah, to take it the bloody hell let the
1: gaffer have a go
0: <laughs> let one of the fans have a go like half time competition 12 unbelievable yeah 12 of the last 12 they've missed unbelievable stat my favourite stat of the weekend <laughs> that way. Um, yeah I, I think that's a good just to go back to Matondo briefly mm-hmm. you uh, made, made a point to me the other day and I think something you saw on Twitter where we've now got Bale in Spain mm-hmm. Rambo oh, cool. soon in Italy
1: yep and then, obviously, Bundesliga covered with, yeah. with Rabi. And Matt Smith just, like, winning hearts over in Holland Box, at the, the minute. Holland, yeah. Yep, And, and of course, Lawrence in Belgium. Yes, so, Dundere. we're taking over Europe slowly, exactly. step exactly. by step.
0: The Welsh are coming. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen Schalke's tweets um, no. since he's joined. They've done, like, a Welsh word a day on their, oh, on their main thing. So, when they said, I th- when they welcomed him, I think it was, like, I think they, they talked about or something right. like that okay. I can't remember what the word was now and when they did when they won when he made his debut mm-hmm. I think the other day again I think they said I think was it congratulations or something like that right. but they kind of did it and said how to say it and everything else oh excellent which I thought was a really really nice touch that's great and there was people commenting on their feed as well like how can I get this because it was in, obviously initially in German right. how can I get this and then their English tweet, their, their English version of their of their Twitter account right. started tweeting the same stuff out as well okay. It was really, really cool. Oh, that's great I, to like, see. I love German football at the best of times. And I've been to Schalke. It's an awful city, but lovely place. Like, the ground's lovely. Um, brilliant people there. And uh, I'm really glad he's gone there. I'm really, really glad. I hope he does well there, because mm-hmm. it's a great move for him. And I loved the Welsh word of the day thing from their, from their Twitter account. I thought that was superb. That's well great. done, Schalke. Yeah. Um, a few other interesting ones. We haven't really talked about Mepham there. I think it just kind of goes without saying a little bit, that that was a great move. Um, a decent amount of money hopefully he'll start getting some you know playing time and you can see the positive impact that uh, Eddie Howe and Bournemouth in general have had on David Brooks he's you know flourishing really and just turning into a a really star player for them so um, I thought that was interesting I also thought uh, that it was great to see Johnny Williams get a move he's gone to Charlton um, which I thought was great and I also thought it was good to see Andy King who was doing nothing at Leicester, who's basically playing for their 23s, um, has now gone to Derby on loan, yep. uh, which I think, again, is a, is a good move for him and, and good for the depth of the Wales squad.
1: Yeah, and, and I know he's sort of retired effectively at the minute, but to see James Collins getting a the place at Ipswich as well, that's, that was pleasing to see no, him back in football. He's got, he's got a lot to offer to a team like that, yeah. I think.
0: He got a clean sheet on his debut uh, in a 1-0 win and, and man of the match. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I didn't hear he <laughs> yeah. man of
1: the match. And then Joe Ledley's departure from Derby is interesting. Yeah,
0: the way he worded his uh, exit was basically sheer frust- frustration. Um, which is kind of understandable, I guess. If you're not playing, you obviously want to be. Um, and I hope this is not the end for him. I hope he can pick himself another contract. I think a lower league, a lower level, sorry, championship club could be a good thing for him where he'll play every week. Um, and if not, I mean, I wouldn't really want to see him drop into League One, but he could be a really important player for a, for a side in League One. Uh, someone pushing for promotion. So you never know what, what might come for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could see a team like Luton that
0: want to push forward. Yeah, you know, it might be a
1: nice match.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when teams get promoted in the summer, um, he could be someone to look at. Yeah. Um, the last one that I wanted to draw attention to was uh, Chris Maxwell has gone to Charlton as well with Johnny Williams on loan. I think we really need to kind of, looking at this from a Welsh perspective, need to kind of make a decision on what our plan B is in goal because I know Danny Ward is, you know, at Leicester, but he's not playing. Uh, Hennessy is not playing at the minute. We'll come back to him in a sec. (laughs) Um, Then there's a plethora of other people kind of below that who we don't really know much about. And I heard even Carl Darlow, who's... um, plays at newcastle is someone who they've mentioned but he's not in our squad at the minute no. you know m- someone like chris maxwell getting a bit more regular game time might be uh an important role for him to be our second or third choice keeper because at the minute i know it probably has to be danny ward as our second choice keeper but i'd rather someone who is playing every week get a game
1: yeah i agree and kind of segues into my um Where's Ryan this week? <laughs> What's he up to this week? And in fairness, he went to Oakwell at He's the weekend. Doing his job. Well. Who knew? For one Saturday. Yeah. Although, in fairness, reading the forum, the Barnsley forum, it sounds like he might have been there a couple of times. Oh, really? So, let's sum it. Um, but, of course, Adam Davies there is the is the goalkeeper. Yeah. Who, you know, might make a case for actually being third on the for depth him chart him yeah. at the minute. Um and obviously he's getting regular play, but I I agree with you. I think it's concerning. Uh, awards position just it's just wrong. Yeah. Um. So either he's got he's got to do something in the in the summer and get him into himself into a position yeah. where he's playing regularly, or I think we have to we have to widen the net. Yeah, you can't so have a situation where you've got a keeper that's getting such little playing time.
0: I agree. I mean you can't have the time that this 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 keeper comes out and plays be an international qualifying match mm-hmm. you know it's, it's, it's daft really so I agree I hope hope that something happens for him but um, I'm glad to see in all seriousness I'm glad to see Ryan Giggs knocking around somewhere and making his presence felt because I've been very frustrated with him basically being on the piss for the last few weeks um, supporting Man United um, I also did see that he signed up to do an FAW like meet and greet event somewhere in London on a there's, Saturday
1: there's a there's a um, uh, Wales Week, which we've actually got over here in New England as yeah. well, but there's a Wales Week in London, um, obviously around St. David's Day, and there's a there's a luncheon plus Q&A thing that he's doing, um, which is an, an FA event, and hopefully they're going to make decent chunk yeah. of change out of that. Yeah. Um, but I do find it I- ironic. One of the things that was kind of covered when he was appointed was, well, he's not the sort of character who's comfortable in a QA and a environment. He won't be doing those kind of town hall meeting type things yeah. that Coleman was doing because it's just not who he is. And I don't I don't have a problem per se with that. I would no, like our too. manager to be doing it, but equally I'm not going to put him in, an, in a situation he's uncomfortable with for the sake of it. But if he'll go and do th- this type of event, if he'll do a a q and a for for Manu or for Salford, then that rationale is off the table. Why yeah. is he not doing a a q and a at vellennhli or Schlangevny or somewhere yeah. um and i and I would like to pose that question because i think if 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 he is willing and comfortable under circumstance x, then he has to do it he in, to in Wales to do it. yeah i yeah,
0: agree yeah. I think we've been, um, i had a couple of things, people saying we've got an anti-gigs agenda, which is very much not true. We want him to succeed in his job. I said from the start, I don't like the man, and I stand by that opinion. Um, But if he gets Wales to the the next Euros or whatever, then that's what I'm interested in. I want him to do well for Welsh football, um, and I just don't see him... Seeming to be that you know as bothered about it as, as as others we've seen, and you know maybe Coleman and Speed were kind of exceptions really, and and they both went that extra yard further than the normal managers do maybe. But you see Gareth Southgate every single weekend at the football, every single weekend, and you know very rarely see much about gigs so I hope he does come out because I I want him to do his job probably I want him to find the best players I want him to pick the best team and and make the best decisions rather than you know drinking expensive red wine in hotel football in in Manchester you know
1: which isn't doing so well economically I read at the minute Um, but I think his tenure as manager He's coming into a situation where some precedents have been set. Some norms have been established. And presumably in the job description, it includes some of this outreach and community liaison type stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation to see that. I certainly don't think it's an unreasonable expectation to see him seeing our players. And I'm not saying that I want to see a, you know, a calendared diary yeah. of what ryan is up to but given that 2018 didn't go great yeah he should be trying to be seen to be doing everything yeah. he, he can to all the stops didn't he? in a, you know positive momentum and the fact that you know he's not seen watching derby play or swansea play um again as you say it makes you wonder if he's actually giving everything yeah. 100% and I I want to believe that I want to have confidence yeah. in him as our manager I, I want to know that no stone is being unturned and I'm just I haven't got that reassurance
0: no I'm, I'm absolutely with you um To move on from Ryan before we get uh, accused of (laughs) more bias, Um, I do just want to briefly go back to Wayne Hennessy and his alleged Nazi salute. Um, That has his deadline to kind of appeal or respond to the charges of the 31st of January. So I expect this is the 4th of February recording this. I'm expecting there'll be some kind of resolution to that one way or the other soon. Given the charges he's up against about inciting racial hatred, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see... A solid amount of a ban if he's found guilty, as well as a fine, and I don't know how that would impact. You know, on a selfish perspective, I don't know how that would impact Wales. Whether that ban it would be all football or whether it would just be club football, I'm not sure. But either way, um, it's an interesting, interesting thing to keep an eye out for, and just a daft thing from his perspective. Well, daft in the in the you know is a is a is a light light word, I guess. Um, stupid thing to do. So hopefully that won't have too much of an effect on. On us and Wales and him and everything else, uh, yeah. It's
1: quite an accusation, Rachel. Hatred, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if, if to be found guilty of that would be pretty chastening, yeah. I would imagine. Um, so, I would if, if it was a guilty, and they've got the evidence to support that. I would imagine it's going to be a reasonable, yeah. a reasonable uh, consequence, a reasonable ban.
0: And I'm taking, for what it's worth, I'm taking that from the from the FA's statement uh, and the rules that he's breached. I'm not just you know knocking around racial hatred um, willy nilly. Um, I don't think anyone has ever said racial hatred and willy nilly in the same (laughs) sentence ever before. Anyway, um, the last thing, of course, that I thought we should mention was the Ryan, um, the Craig Bellamy situation. There's kind of been no progress on that, but I did. Get a message from my mum the other day, who is the nosiest woman alive. I say that because I know she'll never listen to this, um, telling me that Craig Bellamy has sold PS64, which is a, a bar and restaurant he owns in Panath. Um, and, and I don't know whether I'm kind of putting pieces together and, and coming up with something that's irrelevant, but it did make me just make me think maybe he's kind of got fed up with everything that's happening in Cardiff with these accusations uh, that are being made against him, and maybe he's, he's thinking this is my time to kind of step on up and go somewhere else and maybe try and look at getting a manager's job somewhere
1: I'd like to see him moving on to a manager's job obviously but I think your evidence base might be stretching things a little bit there I,
0: th- I think so too but you know me mam is very rarely wrong in these situations true enough she can't keep her nose out of anything that works so you know if it benefits our, our football podcast then I'll take it thank you mum for, for your help
1: I realise we haven't actually talked about the women's game against the Italians oh no we haven't so we should we should cover that a little bit, I yeah. think.
0: I, uh, from, from what I saw, I saw most of the game, they played a, in a lot more of an open way than I expected them to. Um, the first time round we played them, uh, it was a very kind of defensively-minded performance. And since then, I thought we kind of showed a, a bit more of an attacking threat, a bit more pace in the side um, than previously. And... I thought it was a decent performance, and I know the scoreline doesn't necessarily re- reflect that, but we did have actually some some pretty good chances to score, and could count ourselves unlucky not to have got a goal. And on another day, got something out of the game.
1: I mean, the fact that they were playing football in those conditions at all was pretty appalling, really, yeah. wasn't it? Um, it was interesting reading afterwards, and um, the interview that Ludlow gave, and that's it. They're obviously. I mean the whole the whole thing is a project, but there obviously it was a very conscious game. I think in in terms of where they want to be yeah, transitioning for the, from the qualifiers, and on that basis they seem pretty happy with what they were seeing, and I think that's reflected in what you were saying of um, a bit more openness. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the the strength in the last qualifying campaign was a clean was clean sheets. Um. Generally speaking, clean sheets, uh, but we do need to score a few more goals. Yeah, I agree. And so I think the emphasis is switching ever so slightly there.
0: No, I totally agree. And I think if growth is to be kind of continued, you have to find a way to do that in more than just the players coming through. You have to develop the way you play football and everything else. And Jane Ledlow seems very aware of that and is consciously doing something about it. So that's very good to see and very important. A lot of people getting some debuts. Um and I know we mentioned it briefly on the Laura McAllister pod, which you haven't listened to. You should go and listen to. Um, this is the first time Wales women have ever had their names on the back of the shirts, which is staggering, really. But uh, I'm glad that that is another yeah. important milestone achieved. Um, on that note,
1: is th- it good night? I think it is good night. <laughs>
0: I've got to go and play football now. So uh, hopefully, my uh, you know five beers is not will defend <laughs> me too much. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and good night.
1: Good night.